Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is Ryan, and today we have episode 116, which is a recap of the first round against the Edmonton Oilers. At the time that the episode was recorded, it was actually before game six of the Leafs Hab series, so that was sitting at 3 2 at the time. Um, as of right now, me recording this and posting the episode, it is actually Game 7 in the second period. It is one nothing Habs. Of course, the winner of this series, the Jets will face in round number 2. So, please enjoy the episode, and we will see you in round number 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Jets Centric Podcast. It's Liz here. I'm joined by Daniel, Justin, and Brian today. Uh, we just thought we'd sit down and do a quick little um, series preview not preview a recap of the series that we had against the Oilers we realized we did a lot of intermission stuff and post-game stuff but we haven't put out an official podcast episode on it so we thought we'd uh come out here today and do that for you so uh here we are on Saturday about five days out from the Jets sweeping the Oilers at 1 a.m on the Monday of May long weekend it's been a great week for me I don't know about you guys <laughs> well Just- Tuesday Tuesday was pretty rough after that uh triple overtime <laughs> yeah no, yeah, I uh, I work at a bank, and on the Tuesday, I when I woke up in the morning, I put on like I have a Jets shirt, and it's like it's a ladies' cut, so I can dress it up a little bit, so it was still within dress code, and it was great. Everyone who came in was like, "Oh, did you stay up for the night?" And I was like, you "Oh guys, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." I was thankful to be off on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh man, I was the only one to work. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I well definitely. If you had said to me a week before that, hey, you should book that Tuesday off because the Jets are going to sweep the Oilers <laughs> at one a.m. on Monday, I would have said, "Cut the hell up." <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I am. I've never been happier to have my NHL bracket screwed up so much. Um, and yeah, so we are. Uh, the game six of the Montreal Toronto series is tonight. It's three two Toronto at present. Uh, Montreal's playing at home in front of fans tonight, so it could go to seven. It could not. Uh, either way, we don't know who we're playing yet, but we do know that um, the Oilers suck, and <laughs> Connor Hellebuck is a god. So let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I go as far as to say the Oilers suck, but I, I I do want to say I think they outplayed us in three out of four games as far as their skaters go. Like I thought game two, the Jets were very good um, all together, but ultimately Connor Hellebuck is the great equalizer, right? So yeah, you you just can't be anything but happy. You have that yeah, guy in your net for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, he let, what are the Jets let in? I think eight goals in that almost five full games of time we played, if I'm not mistaken, something like or that. something yeah. like that. So that's, I think that's right. Yeah. I want to say yeah. one, zero, one, one, zero, three, four. four. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Four yeah. and three. Yeah. Yeah. So that's eight. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty good. And that was about almost five full games of ice time, including all the overtime action they had. Or actually, I guess just about over that. So that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty impressive to say the least. And him rocking a 950 some save percentage into the next round. I think that's something hopefully, I mean, not hopefully, but he has to keep that up if the Jets want to continue on. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That did not feel like a traditional series sweep. Like usually when you get a, a four straight, it's like a team that's clearly better and they dominate them in multiple facets and they're like just coming in waves. Yeah, yeah, like the Avalanche, right? A team that's like clearly poised for a deep run that gets a weak opponent. And that was not how this series went. Like typically you get a goalie to steal a game or two for you, but yeah. 
Connor Hellebuck basically like stole the series in a in a sense. Uh, and I mean, it was just an incredible showing from him, and it just shows time and time again how lucky as Jets fans we are to have that man behind our our team, right? So, uh, yeah, he just made the the extra save, and I didn't think Smith was like particularly awful, yeah. but like Hellebuck just elevated his game to like a <laughs> god tier level, and I, we got to yeah. be thankful. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh, Jay Fresh posted a graphic that was like the goal saved above expected. Um, <laughs> and Mike Smith was at a negative 1.9. And he's like, guess what, guys? That's not even that bad. Connor yeah. was at a 6.6. 6. <laughs> 6. Yeah. 6. Oh. But honestly, I'm not as pessimistic as you guys are right now because Connor Hellebuck was also in that every other game we played the Oilers this season except for like one or two. And so the fact that we were able to beat them meant because we still scored some goals and we still outchanced them on a couple of different occasions. So I'm still like holding out a little bit of hope, right. but like obviously without him, it would have been a reverse sweep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, let's see, we, we had, um, what was it? We outscored them by one goal aside from the empty net goals in regulation in that series. The four, one first was, game. Yeah. Yeah. It was so close. Like, any of those games could have gone either way. Right. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think you can say it was a domination by any stretch. Um, I think a lot of the Edmonton fans are like, Oh, well, where do we go from here? Um, I, I see a lot of bashing Connor McDavid on social media and stuff like that. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think, they played a bad series by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they got to shore up their depth for sure. But ultimately, it was a close series that Hellebuck tipped the scales in, I think, every single game. So <laughs> even in that, even in the one the, where the Jets on Sunday, they had that 4 uh, 1, they came back. Hellebuck, I mean, sure, he led in the four goals, but he stopped, like, he stopped when he had to, too, to keep him in it a little bit. Cause I said twice, I said twice, oh, that's, that's the game at three, one. And then it was four, one. I was like, wow, that, that'll do it. Yeah. But he just, I mean, obviously he, you're going to let in four goals every once in a while. It doesn't matter what kind of caliber goalie you are. All the goalies do that. doesn't matter. Um, and that was the one game where the offense actually did something when they were allowed to let loose in the third period. Right. And just go, go nuts on, uh, on Edmonton and get those three goals in like two minutes and 10 seconds or whatever. And then finally uh, win it in overtime. If so your offense though is able to like do what they did there, like your goalie still has to be able to stop. So exactly, yeah. Because right. say if we had gotten to that four three point, and the momentum was on our side, and they got one chance, and he let that in, that game was done. If yeah. they had stopped the momentum, but that's one of those things where it's like I don't think he did anything overly stellar in that period of time. I don't remember the game very well in that sense because I wasn't really watching Connor Hellebuck at that point. I was watching Mike Smith. I was like, please. Yeah. Please, <laughs> um, but he did what he had to do. And I think that's one of the greatest parts about him is he is obviously he can stand on his head, but he is just solid through and through, especially when we need him most. So like, this is a Connor Hellebuck fan account and we all know that. Yeah. That's uh, one thing I, I remember. I can't remember the exact context of the argument or what it was, but someone was talking about, it must, I think I swear it was Grant Fuhr. And they were like, you know, he'll let in three, but he won't let in that fourth goal. And that's kind of what I said after. I was like, Hellebuck letting four, but he didn't let in that fifth goal kind of thing, right? And obviously allowing four or five goals or whatever in a game is not necessarily ideal, but it's just kind of that 
that little bit of clutch, I guess, you know, to make that timely save when he needed to, because I'm sure he had to make a couple in the third period that we just don't remember because we were so like thrilled <laughs> exactly. with the result of that third period plus that overtime, right? So he just, just did enough in that game to squeak through, but in the other three games, he did definitely more than enough to, to pull his weight there in the, in the other three games of that sweep. So, and never, sure. never mind playing nearly, uh, nearly three full games at about 31 hours for all those players by the time it was said and done there Sunday, Monday. Oh, so that's, yeah. that's just crazy in itself. They were, for... they were absolutely dead by the end of that. Eh? Like I was oh, watching my. and it's like, oh my goodness. Every time the puck was turned over, I'm like hands on my head. Oh, <laughs> they're having trouble staying on their feet now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, it wasn't even necessarily, it wasn't good hockey by the end there. They're just trying to survive. And then yeah, eventually Kyle Connor pots the pots, the goal there. And you just, you scream in excitement and then you let out a huge <laughs> sigh of relief. Yeah. But, How fitting too well, is it that it's a uh, that it's Kyle Connor that scores the goal? And I know oh, it's like you match. know, the, yeah, the, the the ninth period, whatever, all the excuses. But he's not back checking; he's just floating in the neutral zone, hanging for an outlet pass, and then of course he buries the uh, the, the the goal on there on on the shot. And like, uh, it's just <laughs> such a fitting way for it to end. Hey? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, but you know what? We didn't talk about enough on that goal was Connor McDavid. Okay, here's. Here are my thoughts on Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL, and I am willing to say that he's better than Wingrets. He, like, I know that's a ridiculous thing for me to say right now, but I am almost there. I think <laughs> okay. he's underpaid. I think the media talks about oh, him. Oh, he's definitely much. underpaid. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about him, most of them good, but I was so happy to see Neil Pionk just get that puck from him and right when he needed <laughs> to and make that little chip up the ice. I was like, this is so perfect. <laughs> it was so and- much- the red yeah, games. Neil Pionk does not live in Connor McDavid's head red free. I can <laughs> assure you of that, but it was still quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and with man. the and the way that like it was kind of almost almost a lazy play by McDavid because in that situation that was coming off that penalty kill the Oilers had, right? That's why they were so spread out. They were both uh, the D were going off for a change, I think, in that. And, how did and he, he made a half. He like made a half ass. <laughs> yeah something crazy um but he made a half-ass attempt to get it like behind the d and kind of mm-hmm. flubbed it a little bit to, to pionk there and pionk just had the mm-hmm. pionk i think he's i don't know if he actually said he saw connor or not but he it looked he like didn't. he just kind of, he said he didn't right so he, he was just he chipping didn't. it out yeah he was just chipping it out and there's kyle connor just waiting there with half uh, <laughs> half breakaway at the right wing right so he shouldn't have admitted that. Like he, he should have yeah. said, "Oh, I." He should have gone I, full yeah. hero on that one. Like, yeah. No one would have known. <laughs> All, yeah, we would have, especially in the third overtime. You don't know what they can see. Like I, yeah. I always said, by halfway through the second, like their eyes are crossed and they they don't know where they're going up or down. And I think, like you mentioned, there after the probably the first half of that first overtime, I think that's when the play really slowed down after those first ten minutes, and then it was just survival mode and try not to get beat around the edge by a guy that can't even skate anymore. So that's probably pretty easy <laughs> considering yeah. that, but. No, yeah, it's no, funny. I, I actually want to talk about that overtime super quickly though. Um, And I remember one of the other overtimes, I don't know, there were too many, but in our post game or our like between third and uh, overtime intermission, we were like, is Paul Maurice going to shorten the bench? And everyone's like, <laughs> 
That means he's going to bench Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis, not a chance. And then he did. Do you think that's his choice? Or do you think it was because Alex Chase on a junior care were benched as well? Um, Are we speaking specifically of the fourth game? Yes. The last game. That was the only one Uh, I think benched anyone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but he, he definitely obviously had the lineup control. So like of uh, matching the lines. So I think that probably factored into, um, I'm not really uh, like, obviously I don't want Thompson or Lewis on the ice in overtime. Like maybe Lewis, like for one of those fire shifts, plug shifts. Um, but at least he got Perot out there for a few and Perot was able to actually generate probably the most chances I think for the Jets in, in his limited overtime ice time. But I think it's probably a proponent of both. Uh, the Oilers had shortened their bench immensely. Um, they had, they were run basically running 4D and like eight forwards or eight or nine forwards or whatever. So I guess that probably did have some kind of factor. I think I was looking at it. I think Chason and Kara were the only ones who didn't play at all. But like Devin Shore played like three minutes. Gaetan Hodge yeah. played like four minutes. Like it wasn't like, he only really like benched a couple of people like but they're they were still running basically two lines the entire time and then um what are their names kiki and bear didn't play i don't the cuckoo i don't what the hell's his name cuckoo cook slater cuckoo yeah they were calling him kiki when he played in chicago and then all of a sudden he really up, yes and then he showed up in edmonton and he played like a first game this year that we watched and i was like his name is Kiki. It's well, really, like, I don't even know. It was weird. Anyways. The first time I watched him was, I think, as a rookie in Tampa, and they yeah. called him Cuckoo then. So oh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> that that Kiki. I, I don't get that, but hey, whatever, whatever. Uh, However, they want their name pronounced, vote, I guess. Yeah. Or yeah, I yeah. yeah I exactly. remember when I wanted to check. I was like, I wonder where he's from, and he's from like some township in like southern Ontario. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. but yeah, they didn't play, and then. That was a whole thing with Ethan Bear making a mistake that literally any defenseman could make at any point in their career and getting benched. You know what? Sometimes that happens. And then the internet exploding on him. Probably the worst thing to happen in the entire NHL this year. Garbage. Probably the worst thing. I that was awful. Yeah, yeah that uh, – yeah, I don't even know what to say other than just that's not right at all in uh, any sense. No. No, it's, it's one of those things where it's like life is so much bigger than hockey and you need to never do that. And if you ever do that, like literally go fuck yourself. Like that is just so messed up. I was really upset about that. And it was nice to see everyone that I respect really standing up. And it was nice to see some of his teammates and stuff, even if maybe it wasn't always the most genuine thing to do. I don't know. But I think uh, a lot of people were on the right side of that one. So I was really happy about that. Yeah. Uh- um but yeah there was just I don't know I think it was the right thing to do like especially in the beginning of overtime the right thing to do is to put your scoring guys out as much as you can just to get this over with but I think but Garrett Hole had a tweet that was like I think the longer the overtime goes the better it is for the Jets than it is for the Oilers and I think yeah. generally speaking I agree with that yeah because yeah. the Jets could roll nine pretty easily I think is Compared to the Oilers, they could probably mm-hmm. only roll six like they did for most of it, right? Oh, did you see the shift length that uh, Nurse was playing? <laughs> no. Like, that was out of this. He world. had like oh. a four plus minute shift at one yeah. point. Yeah. That was no, the it was five. Thing. It was five. It was five, eh? That was, was in the was, first, yeah. Because it was, it was penalty kill and power play back to back, wasn't it? Uh, no, yeah, they had, my... the, they had oh, the PK no. for two minutes and then they just said 
screw it and kept him out there. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. He played, yeah. he played all two minutes of a special team. I think it was penalty kill. And then he stayed out for another, like double that. Or like what? A minute yeah. and a half is a stupid long shift. Five minutes. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> well, and then we didn't score on him. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> That's also part of it. Like, you know, that was, so yeah. I just think it's hilarious too. Like, people like Oilers fans are like you know I don't think Nurse is getting any credit outside of Edmonton for the year that he's having Darnell Nurse is a fine defenseman like I think he's okay but nobody should be playing five minutes a night and like Darnell Nurse is not the one guy you should be relying on like that just shows that their team has a lot of holes if you have to play Darnell Nurse five minutes like a five minute shift Darnell's can help you a lot in the ozone I do think he struggles sometimes in his own end a little bit but Mm -hmm. uh well, and I think he always has, and that's why this year he he was better, and that's why people thought he was really good. He's always had that offensive, well, you know, yeah. knack. I think, but his defense sort of picked up this year, in my opinion. Play yeah. play him with the offensive players, I guess, mm-hmm. and you'll get some results. I think. Call up the Tyson that, Berry effect. That's what. Uh, well, that's what uh, I think. It must have been Maurice or one of the coaches mentioned going in for the Jets. Mentioned that they basically run like the McDavid line whoever whether it's with dry sidle with uh, nurse and barry they rolled them as a five man yeah. instead and then obviously nurse plays a little bit like with other lines but when they roll out they all roll out together doesn't matter what uh the situation is pretty much so that's that's how you create those offensive results right put um, them out with the best players oh yeah i know for sure and that's that's what we do with connor shakley wheeler you want to put your best guys out there so you put <laughs> josh morrissey and just oh yeah offensive <laughs> Oh, powerhouse. I want to sort of talk about the Jets in particular, and I want everyone to sort of think about a couple of people they thought had a really good series, and then a couple of people that they want to see more from in the next. Um, and since I'm just throwing that on you guys now, I want to say that I think Josh Morrissey had a terrific series. I think Carter Hellebuck had a terrific series. And I think I wanted a third. I think Blake Wheeler had a good series. And I'd like to see more from Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Neil Pionk next series. Neil Pionk didn't have a bad series. But I still think I'd like to see more from him. And maybe that means not playing with Derek Forbert. I don't know. Right. <laughs> are, I think yeah, that's, that's where you start. Yeah. Those, that's those, the those are my well, three on both sides. I don't know if anyone else wants to jump in. Sure. I Am I supposed to pick three and three? or? I don't care. It's not a big I, I, I had one in I had one in mind that I did like. And that was, in fact, Blake Wheeler. Um, my my One of my biggest questions coming into the series was, are you going to see the Blake Wheeler that we saw at the end of the regular season mm-hmm. or kind of what you saw in the middle of the season? I thought you did see some of the Blake Wheeler from the end of the season there. I don't know if it was a whole injury thing that was causing him to play worse all season, but he was really generating a lot of offense. I thought in that series, which is absolutely huge for the jets because they were relying on wins without kind of that offensive generation from him all season now that you have that I think it opens up so many more options for your lineup um absolutely and in terms of someone I want to see a little bit more from I I do think he did a pretty darn good job overall in terms of the matchup against Connor McDavid uh, in that series, but I do want to see a little bit more from Dylan DeMello. Um, I thought he wasn't doing some of the things that made him a really good player during the regular season. And a lot of that just, I think, comes from the style of play the Jets wanted to play against McDavid. And that's kind of a conservative style. 
but when he's being aggressive, stepping up, making pinches, uh, kind of being able to read the play, um, that's when he's at his best. And I wanted him to, I want to see him do more of that in the second round. It's not a big thing. And I don't know that it's all his fault that he wasn't doing as much of that, but I think he's going to play a huge factor in the second round. I think it's reasonable though, to say that you like parts of someone's game or you like the player and still want more from them. Like that's a very big time. Dylan DeMello is my favorite defenseman on the jets. Exactly. Yeah. And you could still want more from him. It's yeah. It's all good. Um, Justin, what about you? Um, well, for the player that I was impressed on, I guess I'll dive a little deeper on, on Morrissey. Uh, kind of, you touched on him there, but uh, I thought he had a, he really elevated his play. Um, just eye test wise, I know his numbers still were around like 40% expected goals, which isn't great. Obviously you're playing McDavid and that's a tough matchup for anybody. But uh, I just thought eye test wise, he looked a lot more confident and he was making some more uh, of the right decisions and he was being physical and he was uh, being a little bit more aggressive. And I thought, you know, that's big for, for Morrissey. And I thought we saw a better Josh Morrissey. I know it's only a four game sample and he was pretty much not good the entire year, but I thought that he really stepped up his, his play. And obviously it helps that he has DeMello on his part uh, as his partner, rather than Tucker Poolman, you know, that's, that's obviously a, a, a big, uh, big help for him. But I thought that he really uh, stepped it up and, uh, was uh, pretty solid on that top pair for sure. Uh, more than just having DeMello, right? I thought individually he did he did some things. And uh, in terms of a uh, guy who I'm expecting more from, uh, really, I would say Connor and Dubois more so kind of as a tandem there. I thought Kyle Connor was a little bit uh, soft on pucks and he wasn't oh, yeah. really... Yeah, like he was definitely the the weak link on that line. Like like Wheeler really elevated this play, and Shifley was was fine. But I thought that Connor, when he's not scoring, he doesn't really look all that good. So and he wasn't scoring besides in uh, on the empty net in game one, and then the the series winner. So I thought for most of the series he was kind of just there and not really doing anything all that positive. And then with Dubois, I mean, I know he's playing hurt or you would assume that he's at least not at a hundred percent right now, but um, he hasn't really had a fantastic uh, season here for season number one in Winnipeg. And like, he took some really dumb penalties in the series. And I thought at five on five, he really didn't do all that much for the jets. I thought on the power play with Ehlers and Pionk, he, he looks good kind of on that right wing as the, as the one-time shooter there. But like five on five, I, I really hope that he can step it up in, in the series against either the Leafs or the Habs because they're going to need him to, to step up for sure. And Daniel, what about you? Yeah, so you guys pretty much touched on like half the team there. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, sorry. <laughs> that's over there. there's oh there's four of us. I was last. Um, but well, I'm really Hanel to step up. Yeah, I need him to step up on the <laughs> ice there. Just get him on the ice, and that's a big improvement for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I, I actually like this series from Shifley. I, I kind of, from what we had seen this season, kind of the same with Wheeler, you know, like you never, you know, he, he played well the entire year, but I thought he actually did step it up a little bit more in these, in these uh, four games they played. And he had the couple of big goals 
Um, so that's something that is good to see that, you know, and that part of that could be because Wheeler is, has also uh, is either fully healthy or, has, or elevated up to that next level. And they were really coming on there at that last little bit of the season there. They were playing better. Um, I saw Shifley in the defensive zone do a few checks. So that's something that you don't see uh, <laughs> grown to see not very often. So that's on the Cassie angle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. who, who knows about that, but uh, <laughs> um, and then the, like the, you mentioned the power play there with uh, like, I like, actually, I'm just going to kind of go off, off on a tangent here about the power play. And um, Maurice ran the second unit first a few times, which is something good to see. And whether that was because of who was on the ice heading into the power play, but usually that tends to not matter very much for Maurice. He usually just sends out that one, sends out that two. So it was nice to see them use that second power play unit as the first power play unit on a few more than one occasion or two. And they actually were able to get some chances and stuff. And um, I've gone completely off the rails here, but uh, so yeah, I kind of like what I saw from Shifley and obviously uh, Josh Morrissey. Uh, we all enjoyed watching him score those couple of goals, right? He made some very good individual plays uh, in one-on-one battles and, you know, winning the puck and, and so on and making good back check or back checks, poke checks, stick checks, that kind of stuff. Um, so obviously he has definitely come on, I'd say probably in the last three quarters of this or the last quarter of the season and then into the playoffs. Now he's really turned it around and hopefully that's something that we can continue to see. Um, and then I'm going to go a little off a little bit more here, but uh, I think I actually like the way that uh, Logan Stanley was utilized um, and how he was able to play to the level that he needed to play to at least keep up and not allow many chances against when he was called upon. And I know obviously it's sheltered, but you, you need those guys that are sheltered to be able to at least equal out what, what the other team is putting at them. Right. I don't know if I explained that quite right, but no, that's, that's I, perfect. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, you just need them to at least play the role that they're asked to play, right. Play their 15, 14 minutes. And, and, exactly. the, and he did that as well as Tucker Poolman too, right. He, mm-hmm. they, they kind of held their own when they had to. And there was times even when they did get stuck out against uh, McDavid on an icing and they just held on long enough to be able to get that change or get that whistle to get off. Right. And that's something you need. Yeah, I don't dislike that pairing in the slightest. Like, I am more than okay with it. It it brings me back to the way. Who's been super hard on Pullman and Stanley all year, so. Yeah, and to the way that brings me back to, like, Tyler Myers, right? Like, when he was playing those 13, 14 minutes a night, he was great. That Like, that's the kind Mm -hmm. of play that, like, that's where he thrived was that third pairing. Um, And I'm still talking here, but uh, guys I want to see more from – uh, probably I could agree with seeing more from Kyle Connor, especially on the five on five. Like we know in the power play, he's going to get a billion shot, a billion shot opportunities or a billion shots, whatever. Um, but playing the, you know, the five on five, just be better. Basically. That's all. That's all just overall, <laughs> just even in the ozone, better. just be better. Don't, don't do the suck. <laughs> as uh, Ovechkin said that one time. So, um, other than that, like, you know, you can always expect more from pretty much everybody always. But there's definitely some guys that have underperformed more like Dubois and such that we just need to at least see them actually do something productive, right? So I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, bro, just get good. Whole, just get good. <laughs> I'd like to see more from that second line, period. Like, I think, um, well, firstly, they had um, Andrew Kopp at the beginning um, and they had the Perot 
Lowry Appleton line. That was way better than the cop Lowry Appleton line, in my opinion. And then, um, like, Ehlers only got to play one game. He was good, or two games. Two games. Two games. Um, duh, he scored. Oh, my gosh. Don't even, I'm sorry. Fake fan. Um, <laughs> and so, like, once he's getting, you know, his groove back, but like we said, Dubois, we want to see more from him. And I didn't think that Stastny had the best series, um, which I really hate saying because I adore him with my whole heart. Right. But I just think he looked a little bit slower. And then he made a couple of dumb decisions. And like, I'm not every hockey player makes dumb decisions, but that's like his hallmark is that he doesn't mm-hmm. really do that. So I was really yeah. surprised to see that a couple of times, a couple of bad giveaways and stuff. And he just seemed like he was always like half a step behind, which is, you know, fine. Lots of players play like that but that's not what you want from your second line center um and i think he's probably going to be a little bit better with this series Healers is getting a little bit you know heated up a little and he's got a solid line not changing every single game i think we're going to see more from him but i didn't love his series and it pains me to say that but i wanted to add that in too i'd like to see more from that second line just in general yeah, I think Paul Stasty's one of those players that almost kind of plays to the level of his line mates and kind of tries to adapt his game to fit his line mates. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if he had the greatest series. Um, yeah, one thing one thing I've been hammering on forever is I really want to see him back with Cop and... Uh, Ehlers? Yeah, Cop and Ehlers. Um, but... I think that would require uh, doing something to Dubois that I don't think Liz would be particularly <laughs> fond about. I don't even care anymore. I don't care. Like, I don't care really anymore. Quit. See, no, I don't it's care. It's the playoffs. No, but like, if, you know, you leave that top line together because they'll be together until I die. Not they yeah. die. They'll be together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you have a cop sassy in Ehlers line. And then you have a Perot Lowry Appleton line. What if you Sorry, ran <laughs> What if you ran a scoring fourth line and went with Dubois and say, I don't know, Veseline and then whoever, Harkins, Lewis, whatever, whatever have you on the other wing. You would like, you would kill somebody. Like they would just be, especially if you have like every single line that's able to generate things with having Matthew Perot with Mason Appleton on there. I wouldn't say Lowry is the biggest like offensive generator or whatever, but he can do a lot of good things, especially when playing with guys like that. Like I think you would be shoving pucks down other guys' throats, like and against Jack Campbell or against Carey Price if Carey Price is not playing well, sign me up. Like that sounds good to me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that intermittently throughout the uh, throughout the last series, and I thought, like, my head always goes, why not try it? But I know they're not going to try it. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird to me. Like, I don't – like, Dubois comes in. He's a young guy. He hasn't mm-hmm. been that good. Why does he have infinite tenure on the second line? Like, where did he earn that from? Like, I, I don't get it. I give it to him because I love him. Yeah, I was going to say, it comes from you, Liz. <laughs> no, but, like, genuinely, it's actually, like, a question I've thought of a couple times. Like, why? Like, I realize his style of play is a top six, but why? I feel like is it's because they – I feel like it's because they don't want to – like, they traded him for line A, right? So, like, that was, like, a huge star. And I feel like if they demote him to the bottom six or the fourth line, it's going to be like, oh, wow, you're admitting you lost the trade or, or something like that. So oh, I feel like I they, they really want to make him work and they're, they're sort of jamming him in there kind of thing. If, 
if I'm a coach, that's just that's just a this year thing. Like he's a big part of this team going forward, for right? Sure. And they're going to be relying on him to step it up big time. I I just don't know if it's there for him in these playoffs. There's just something that's not right, in my opinion. No, um, like, I, and we've been saying this since literally March. Like, once this guy gets a full training camp in with the Jets, like, we're going to see a different side of him. And, like, I think once we trade Shifley and he signs for $10 million somewhere else, having Juan <laughs> Perfetti as our top <laughs> six centers going forward is going to be the most beautiful thing on planet Earth. We'll see. I oh, really, trade, like, I really like Perfetti. <laughs> Perfetti's had a really nice showing at the World Championships, too. Yeah, right? he has, actually. He had that uh, game winner yesterday, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I love so much of what I've seen from him. And I just think about, you know, the two of them. And because, like, I I guess they're kids. Like, Cole Freddy's 19. He's only three years younger than Dubois. Like, they're pretty much the same age. Like it's, They're pretty much the same no, age. <laughs> I, I realize that, no, I realize it's insane to say right now because there's so much development that happens in those years. But you can, you're still getting 10 more useful years out of both of them. It's not like you have a 29-year-old and a 19-year-old. Like, that's, that's your enough. future going forward. So, same thing with Hanel and Sandberg. Like, that's a pretty solid core going forward. Like, Hanel and Sandberg could be the new Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook in their prime. Like, let's let's go. I'm looking forward to it. But, you I- know. I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of want to see Dylan Sandberg in the next series, but I, I know it won't happen, but the way Forbert <laughs> has kind of struggled, right. I, I just think Sandberg's a really nice stylistic fit with Pionk. I, I want to see it. I just, <laughs> I just want to see not Forbert. I don't care who the heck they yeah. got out there. They could <laughs> even, they could even put in uh, Ben right now. And I probably wouldn't be all that upset about it. You know, I like, think the there's only something one right really now that I'm having Forbert. a serious issue yeah. with in this series is for I don't think anyone else I'm having as big of a problem with is him. Yeah, yeah. Right. If if I could pick, if Maurice called me and said, "Who do I take out?" Like I would say Forbert, like without a question, and I would say put whoever you want in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I feel like you know, I, I think he'd be he'd be okay if he was on the third pair, but when he's on the second pair with Pionk, he gets really exposed, right? He just yeah. can't keep up with like top six talent. Because you're so. still playing those top six or top nine yeah. or whatever talent. Right. right? Like, so I he's not getting playing. the sheltered minutes and, and whatnot. I think right so, yeah. now on this team, you have three defensemen that could play in your top pairing, and I think you have three defensemen that could play on your bottom yeah. pairing. I think the middle pairing is kind of unbalanced in that sense. And I because I think okay, demote um, Forbert uh, to the third pairing makes sense. But then either Stanley or Pullman is going to have more minutes in the second, and I don't think that that's what you want either. No, so it's one no, of those catch-22s. Like, I think that is just not going to go well either way. Um, so the answer is putting Hainala. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, I don't love him and Pionk together. They stress me out too much. I don't no. think it's the greatest fit. Um, but I just, like – I think it's serviceable for the time being, but I think once you're matching up against Toronto or Montreal, I think he could manage. But if it was against Toronto, like I really think we're going to see more struggles from Derek Forbert in the next series. I just think he's not right. Right. Like he's been an okay NHLer in the past. Like not obviously not a top four defenseman really at any point, um, but he's been an okay defenseman. So I don't know, maybe if they, put him on the third pair he would be fine but um and i will give credit where credit's due he is a pretty good penalty killer mm-hmm. um yeah that's that's a good point we got to give credit there is penalty kill has been actually the penalty kill i think overall um has been not 
wasn't so bad in the in the series against Edmonton. I don't really have anything to back that up, but just eye test. And I know they had that one where they took uh, four straight penalties there in the middle frame that one game. So they kind of, yeah, that was the so. That was what Dubois, Stanley. Uh, so is that the frame you're talking about? It was the it was game three, the, the yeah. Sunday one there where they really blew well they blew that they blew it and then came back and didn't blow it anymore but yeah it's when they had the four straight penalties like in that second period and leaking over in the third um they they only that i think edmonton only got one goal out of all that so if you're penalty killing half the period and you only let in one goal that's not too shabby i don't think and, and i like, can't leon dreisaitl at five on five or five on four is terrifying like against that like conor mcdavid is conor mcdavid he's always terrifying and i don't want him on the power play as much as you don't but leon dreisaitl i think becomes a different animal on that power play so i think that was a huge motivator for those guys being able to kill off all those penalties like obviously it doesn't reflect on the score sheet in favor of you but it could have easily become seven one in the span of minutes there so yeah no it's definitely a positive i actually want to talk about something else too though like I was scrolling through Twitter and I have never seen mainstream media people that I follow as excited about the Jets as they have been in this series. And like, I understand that Toronto is Toronto, like that's Canada's team, whatever the hell, the Toronto Sports Network. But it's just been really exciting to see people who haven't followed the Jets all year get excited about them. Like, I understand that they're not the best team in the NHL, but it's been really fun to see people like watching Jets games and hearing what non-Jets fans have to say about the team and stuff. It's been really, really neat. And I love it and I want to keep it up. <laughs> and to your point about the uh, the national coverage on the Jets, this is why we uh, do the intermission shows uh, during all the playoff <laughs> games. Come hang out with us for 15 minutes instead of watching... Uh, Bxa and Cassie Campbell talk about cry over, uh, cry over nurse and whatever the I don't oh, even know what they man. were saying. I was too busy doing the intermissions, so that mm, was, you're right. That was good. Um, so that I yeah. Great. So shout out to everyone that everyone that joined us. All those intermissions there. We had upwards of forty listeners, I think, for each one. Even out at uh, one thirty uh, Tuesday morning, we had about 40, <laughs> 45 people on there. So, so that was oh, good. So we're, we're going to keep that up. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see till about three oh, that, that yeah. morning. So. It was Absolutely. a long night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but... Uh, you guys did a fantastic fun. job. I, I wasn't involved in the last one there, but, oh, man, I, I was way too tired. You guys absolutely killed it. <laughs> After yeah. they scored, I was like, fire up spaces right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yeah. like, absolutely not. I think after the first overtime, I was like, I am tapped out. But, oh, <laughs> it just, and it's one of those things where it's like, you want to do a post game, but if it's like, if, if it's if you lose like the game doesn't really matter anyway like it wasn't like a crazy comeback whatever it's like whatever but if you win it's like the greatest moment in Jets 2.0 history yeah. <laughs> so it's like you have to be ready just in case yeah <laughs> so, right it was good yeah no it's been a ton of fun and like just in general like I've just been loving like obviously it's Twitter there are always going to be people butting heads and that's part of its beauty but it's been super nice just to like connect with all these random people like I remember I tweeted on the jet centric account I was like everyone drop your game day fits on like the first Jets game day and everyone was showing pictures of their dogs dressed in white and all their Jets jerseys. like it was just awesome and like that's what I love about the playoffs and especially this right. year like it just it brings me so much joy because like my family is like dressing up in our white gear and sitting on our couch together it's <laughs> hard because we're not you know all together but it's like sometimes it kind of feels like we are so it's going to be a very jets thing to go on the best run 
the year that we can all be together because our province is literally the COVID hotspot of like the freaking world. Um, but you know what? It's been a ton of fun and I'm really happy that this gets to keep going. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm excited for uh, whoever, uh, Montreal or uh, Toronto, whoever we face. And I mean, you know, if we can get a couple more games in, like uh, like, like we were saying, uh, heading into the Edmonton series, uh, we were like, if the Jets win, it'll be like six or seven games. You know, they'll force them, uh, figure, figure them out slowly over the time. And obviously they won in four, but I think uh, for the Jets to beat, especially Toronto, maybe not so much Montreal, but I think it'll be uh, another six or seven or apparently four game uh series so um but that's something you know I think and the Leafs and Habs are very different teams obviously like the Leafs are juggernaut I don't really know what other they're the favorite like clear-cut favorite (laughs) yeah I I don't like that word either but they're the clear-cut favorite right and then you got Montreal who has uh an all-star all-world goalie maybe not so much this season, but is definitely capable of playing at that level and carry price with an offense and with the rest of the team is not really all that hot just overall, right? Just generally. And the style of play that they've changed to, to uh, since they fired uh, Julien there halfway through the year and hired uh, Ducharme and just a different, two different teams that were, so it's kind of hard to talk about one or the other, but hopefully we get at least a long series or a Jets uh, sweep again. I actually want to sort of what you said there. I'll throw it to Justin, maybe like, have you been watching this Montreal Toronto series at all? And like, what from that series are you like, I, I know I, for one in that, um, that last game, Campbell, like Toronto fans think that he's God on earth. Like that's their savior. Right. I think the jets could really, really expose Jack Campbell in the way that he plays. He's kind of, he plays a little bit smaller than I think a lot of other goalies do. And I think they could really take advantage of that. Um, and I also think that, um, Montreal is not as good as Winnipeg, even though I don't think Winnipeg's that good. So I don't know, Justin, if you have any kind of like thoughts on the series that you've been watching so far that might reflect on what's to come in the series, whether it's Toronto or Montreal that wins. Well, yeah, assuming, uh, that it'll be Toronto, right. Unless they, they, they somehow find another way to blow it, which would be hilarious, but, uh, not playing Nick Patan. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Especially with the injuries too. They had a couple of injuries come they on. They did, give yeah. Him a, give him a top six shot. Let's see it. But uh, <laughs> no. Um, but with the with the Leafs, I think with with Campbell, it's 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 pretty similar to Mike Smith in the sense that he's had a really spectacular year, and he's played above his usual like level. But like, how sustainable is it? Like, is Jack Campbell really all of a sudden like an NHL starting goalie? Or can he maybe have a few games where he sort of falls back to average where Hellebuck really can outplay him? And then all of a sudden the Jets have like a, a big equalizer in terms of, you know, the, the Leafs on paper are a stronger team at five on five. But if they have the much better goalie again, all of a sudden you never know what can happen, right? So for me, I guess it's all about if they play the Leafs, does Jack Campbell keep his play up? And if he does, if there isn't really a clear-cut goalie advantage, I think that the Jets are in trouble. But if they can kind of maybe get some 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 uh, negative regression for Campbell and he can kind of come back down to earth, that'll be a thing uh, that can really hurt the Jets, I guess. But uh, Montreal, I guess if it's Montreal, I don't know. Like They're a team that's pretty similar to the Jets. I guess they generate a little bit more offense, but they don't have as much finishing talent. Right. And 
I do think that Carey Price is not Carey Price anymore. So he still is a okay goalie, but he's not like elite. And so I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I think against Montreal, I think the Jets win that series. But against Here's Toronto, a- I, I I don't see them pulling it out, to be honest. I'll quickly jump back and say I I my predictions are always off. Um, but my prediction for this series is definitely that we will not see a repeat of the Vegas series. We are not going to get out goalied. I am very, very convinced of that. I don't think whoever we play, if they beat us, I don't think it's going to be because their goalie carried them through that win. Very sure of that. <laughs> Here's what I think about goalies is like every goalie in the NHL is average, except Connor Hellebuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little bit of Andre Vasilevsky erasure, but... <laughs> he also has a good team so i do think about that a lot but i i Vasilevsky had a great year i i think otherwise like he's been a very good goalie um but it's been an excellent year for him but i i can't help but to think that connor hellebuck is just so far above the rest right now um oh for sure yeah i agree with that yeah and yeah. the thing with goalies i think we have probably mentioned it in one of our one of our pre-playoffs is that in the North division, like the Jets clear cut have the number one goalie by far. And that all the other, the other three teams, you never know what you're going to get night to night. And mm-hmm. like we have mentioned, Mike Smith, he did not play bad, just not enough to, to, to uh, just not enough to pull them through. He let in the overtime goals, right. Instead of say like, instead right. of Hellebuck lighting them in, right. Like one shot, right. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but Hellebuck did, obviously he won that series but i'm trying to say that you know like mike smith is mike smith and jack campbell is probably not going to become a perennial all-star goalie i, I don't even know how old he is but he's definitely he's past that, that. He's just, yeah, no, he's kinda... like he's not like if he was good we would have known it already not found out this season right he's already kind of past that developmental of the early career kind of stage yeah, he's so, 29 yeah so I, like that yeah. yeah at 29 like you kind of are what you are and he's just been on a heater this season mm-hmm. in a shortened season that's been absolute chaos most nights anyway uh you, so and then you got montreal carry price is not carry price of the old but i think he's still capable of maybe pulling that out for a game or two or three which he has right. to do now if the leafs or if the Habs want to win um, but the jet like we know what we're going to get with hellebuck and hellebuck is who he is and that is out out, out otherworldly goalie right that's that's basically what hellebuck is compared to all those other to pretty much any goalie in the league right now i think one of the issues to that montreal has right now is that obviously scoring is not everything but they have no points from their defensemen in this series and i think from a team that has very little offensive finishing among their top six that's something that's really holding them back. So I think if they could start, you know, blasting a couple of those point shots, like whatever, like, I don't know. I don't watch them enough, but the fact that they have no defense, like no points from Jeff Petrie, who's having a freaking year. Like, I think there's more to be seen from them. So if they were to start scoring, I think they could really be a force to be reckoned with in the next two games against Toronto. And yes, I'm saying next two games, because I'm optimistic this is going to seven, even though okay. I think it's going to be a little bit too much of a break for the Jets, but I would love, I would love to see Montreal 
win a game in, you know, their first time playing against fans all year at home and a series that people thought they never would win. Like, I would just love to see it. And also I just want to see Toronto fans cry. I just, I just, want <laughs> to I, I thrive when I'm just seeing them complain and be frustrated and blame the refs. I'm like, bring it on guys. Oh. I can't remember oh, yeah. what year it was. Um, Toronto was playing Washington. Um, I think it was in the first round. And uh, there's like the street party crowd uh, in Toronto. And Washington scored the winner in OT uh, to win the series. And you got all the Toronto fans just on the street. They're like, and then all of a sudden, duh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just really funny. That oh, was that's uh, like one of those things where it's like if I'm on my deathbed and you play that for me, it might bring me back to life. Like it's just like oh, <laughs> I just um I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. that was the year actually they ended up with that uh that cigarette guy there or whatever. That was that that uh dark dark guy, remember that viral uh, oh yeah that was that Don't. season I think you're talking got about. Got his own that. radio show or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> got his own radio show and all that because he was on camera with a cigarette in his mouth unlit inside the it was in washington i guess so they panned for like leafs fans or whatever right but yeah that was that's just that i think that's the season you're referring to it's pretty 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 good memory there and yeah. speaking about the refs uh and that how do we feel like i thought the refing in the jet series was fine like for what you have grown to expect like obviously right. it's never yes. going to be perfect but from what what you know what you're like we knew there's gonna they don't call penalties especially in the playoffs for whatever reason that is but i can't remember who put out a tweet but it like the penalties were pretty close to the same rate as the regular season i can't i i wish i could have would have screenshot of that or been able to find it or whoever put it out but it was something like it wasn't really that far off from what i think it was garrett yeah it was probably garrett but it was a it was actually higher. I think there were actually more penalties in this series per game between the two teams than uh, between the two teams in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. I just so think one of those things where, like, the I, I'm not a believer that for a game to be called fairly, the penalties need to be five to five at the end of the game. Like, that's not how it works. But it's one of those things where in the playoffs, the refs want to let them play. But when you have a puck over glass, when you have a blatant slash or trip, you have to call those. So yeah. things against McDavid are not going to be those obvious ones. They're going to be like, oh, maybe that like was a bit of a, I don't even know. It's one of those things that are super subjective. So all these Oilers fans who are crying about how there was only like one or two penalties called on McDavid. And that's, that's, that's what you grow to expect from the refs is that you're not going to get a lot of those mm, should they, shouldn't they calls. Those ones aren't going to get called. Yeah. Um. So I maybe it's because it was more in our favor. I didn't think the roughing was overly bad in that. So I complain about the roughing in every game, but I never pin losses on refs. Even if they screw up one call that was the game winning goal, if if you were relying on that one call to win the game, you probably shouldn't be overly mad that you lost. Yeah. If, yeah. Like I don't know. But I didn't think the refing was awful. Um, but I always want to see more from them and see better from the refs. So well, of course, yeah. Do. Yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a you can really blame the series or any one game on that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, I think it's I think it's an overall thing where I guess a lot of people want uh, more stuff to be called in the playoffs. Like they want it to be more consistent 
playoffs and regular season, which I totally agree with. Um, but I don't think you can really look at it as, okay, the refs were totally against the Oilers and one player, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like there were, there were plenty of penalties missed, um, against the Oilers as well too. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I just think the standard of NHL refing needs to be reevaluated. Like they, they obviously, they, they, they call the game to make it even. I mean, the power plays were 11 for the Oilers in the series and 10 for the Jets. So basically like, you know, that each team is going to get very close in terms of power play opportunities. And I just, I don't think that's fair. Like, I mean, if a team's controlling the game and if they're have the puck on their stick most of the time, and if they're drawing penalties, like you should call the game by the rule book and not to sort of like, I don't know, kind of like try and game management and, and balance it oh, yeah. out. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I could see why, why all fans are upset, but I don't think that this is just like a, a, Oh, they really screwed up in this series thing. I think it's just, if they have any uh, complaints, it should be just refing as a whole. And uh, that goes for the whole league. You can't really pinpoint that on just one team or one player. So. Oh yeah. I think it's telling that money puck can come up with a model that can right. <laughs> tell you the, the likelihood of uh, the next team getting uh, or the home team getting the next penalty yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think that's yeah. absolutely hilarious that they can, it do shouldn't that. be, yeah, you shouldn't be able to predict that. Right. That's seems like something that should be ve- pretty much variable, right? Like you can take seven tripping penalties in a row, <laughs> like you guys, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it was I- just something that I had thought about. Uh, just I saw a lot of oh they didn't call nothing or Mm -hmm. but they actually called more penalties in this in the four games than they did against these or with these two teams during the regular season right so yeah I think I I I don't know if I over overcompensate for this feeling I I just get so frustrated when people like when uh, a hockey team when the Leafs lose a game and it's like oh the refs did this oh Montreal is dirty it's like is it possible that your team also just didn't do what they needed to, to do to win? And maybe me feeling that way overcompensates because I blame the Jets for everything. Mm-hmm. But it's also like you got to find a fine line between there because you cannot blame the refs for every single loss of your hockey team because I promise you <laughs> the only reason your team is losing. I promise you that. Uh-huh. But they, yeah, no, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I say it's my opinion, even though I just promised the world that that's not the the case but that's how i feel <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for um sure. but yeah i think we kind of just we wanted to sit down today to um to chat a little bit about that se- that series that we just it ha- finished in a blink of an eye no one was expecting it to finish that quickly especially with our team coming out on the other side but uh i know i i think i speak for all of us when i say that we're really freaking excited about this like um maybe we're you know, frustrated that we didn't see some of this stuff in the regular season. Maybe we're fr- like, there are lots of reasons that we're always going to be a little bit negative and that's just who we are, but we're also <laughs> just pumped that our team is going to play another round of playoff hockey. And we're excited to see what comes next. We're just negative people. And that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I think this has been going around a lot on Twitter lately. So I think I'm going to talk about it right here on the podcast we are not telling you how to be a fan. We are never going to do that. That's not what we do. This is what we just want to talk about. I don't agree with Brian on some things. Justin doesn't agree with Daniel on some things. Like we're always going to be like that, but you're not going to tell someone else how to be a fan. We're just happy. We're just happy to have a team. Sorry, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> <We're just> happy. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, um, we're just uh, having a good time. Stop telling other people how to enjoy hockey. It's not that deep. Enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. Mind your own business and go Jets go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I love having discussions with people. Um, <laughs> I don't like uh, I don't like when people tell me uh, oh, just enjoy it, man, or that kind of thing. It's like I will not do that, bro. No, thank I, you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do, I do analyze sometimes. So there is that. And no matter how good you think your team is, they're not perfect. So, right. You know, like I think for myself, at least like my favorite way to enjoy a hockey game is to watch it and see what I would do differently. Cause it makes me feel a little bit more involved than just being like, wow, they're all so good. I could never do that. Like that would be easy enough to do, but that's just the way that I enjoy doing it. But you know what? Some of these people who never lost faith during the year and are just so positive. I also envy them. I love the way that they fan. Good for you. I'm super happy for you. You let me do my thing. I'll let you do yours. And then we could all just mind our own business. (laughs) Yeah. We're all going to have a party when, whenever the Jets end up winning the Stanley cup. Anyway, we're all going to hug each other. (laughs) We're all going to cheers each other and it's going to be just the biggest party. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. See you guys in uh, in May for that. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, if if you want to do that when the Jets win the Cup this year, because you know that's just the way that they do things, get vaccinated so that we can all party. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this message is for, for sure. Protect MB. Hashtag <laughs> protect MB. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, this is fun. Thanks, guys. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, see you guys next week when the when the games start up. And yeah, always uh, check out our Twitter for those um, intermissions. Sometimes pregame, sometimes postgames. Who knows? Um, yeah, and especially for those intermissions, if you wanna, if you have something to say, come on in and say your bit. We uh, we love to chat with people because we're all fans here, and no one knows anything. So we all just like to to visit with each other and, and disagree, agree. It's we're all we're all family here. So (laughs) yeah, that's Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Kurt Gilback and thank you for listening to the jet centric broadcast.